Amen. Remain standing just for a moment in honor of the reading of God's Word. Our sermon text this morning is Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. This is God's holy and inerrant Word. Let's give attention to it now. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I will delight in your statutes. Amen. Please be seated. I wonder if you know what's going to happen in just about 103 days. Well, in just about 103 days, a new set of fresh graduates will be minted. Um, Some of you have been through this particular graduation ceremony several times, uh, earning many different degrees. You don the cap and you don the gown, maybe the cords, demonstrating a certain academic um, achievement. And so we, we honor that moment with this grand ceremony, uh, conveying a diploma, confessing to you that you've achieved a certain level of learning in your life. And this is good. We remember that the Scriptures command us to, Lord, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And what the Lord is commanding us in that is my mind, the thoughts of my mind are to be sanctified unto the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we find this morning is that we have to acknowledge something fundamental about the task of learning and growing in knowledge. That it is not truly possible for those who have no fear of God before their eyes. In other words, we would say it this way. That you may pursue hours and hours and hours of rigorous study, but at the end of the day, You may have Ph.D., M.D., next to your name, master's degree, whatever it may be, next to your name. And you may learn and learn and learn. But if there is no fear of God, the Scripture never says that you never 
rise beyond the status of what? A fool. You have not learned a single fact until you understand that the point of every fact of the universe is the glory of God. And we say this over and over and over, but Jesus, Jesus is pointing this out to us so strongly this morning, wanting us to notice that God is the sovereign over all things. He doesn't exist in some sort of autonomous vacuum away from the facts of the universe, separate from the universe. No, he is infinite and pervades the universe. I get a little bit of a chuckle when I go back and read Proverbs 17, 16, and maybe you should too, especially if you, if you think and react to uh, such things as the forgiveness of student debts. If you think about this thing, and in 103 days, some of our students are going to have scholarships and they'll have money in their hand to go and buy an education. And Proverbs 17, 16 asks this question. It says, why does a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he lacks sense? You see, God is not a conclusion of scientific endeavor, of academic study. The Bible teaches us that God is the beginning. He is the very foundation of all knowledge. So if you don't fear him, you might as well quit because you will never know anything in truth. That is the fundamentals. That is the basis. And what Jesus shows us this morning is that God the Son has authority from God the Father to give rest to the weary and heavy laden. And we'll see this applies especially to growing in our knowledge. Now, remember that at this point, Jesus is speaking to the crowds and He's saying to them, some hard things. Woe to Bethsaida. Woe to Chorazin. Woe to Capernaum. If these mighty deeds that were done in you had been done in places like Sodom and Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented a long time ago. And preaching through that last week, I half expected some, some to come and ask the question that is begged by Matthew chapter 11 verses 20 to 24. And that question is this. Well, if those cities would have repented, if those mighty works had been done, why weren't they? As we look at this passage, perhaps... Jesus is reflecting on that question. Now, in the original, in verse 25, your, your version, if you're reading with me in, I, in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, it, it says, at that time Jesus declared. And in the original it says, Jesus answering said. Well, what's he answering? Well, again, perhaps understanding the nature of men's hearts, answering the question, well, well, why didn't he do the mighty works? Maybe that's the question. Why didn't he do the works? Or maybe the question is, okay, all right, fella, who, who are you to say woe to you? You're taking some big boy pants on yourself there to, to make this pronouncement on these Jewish people. Don't you know who we are? 
We, we have the oracles of God. So Jesus embarks to tell them exactly who he is. And the first thing that he shows us is that God the Father conceals and reveals in verses 25 and 26. Notice what it says. What is, Jesus opens his mouth answering and he begins by thanking the Lord. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Jesus begins by reminding us of, of, of a fundamental truth. Think back into your memory, and and where might you find God as Lord of heaven and earth? Well, you you might go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, Jesus in his prayer here is reflecting on the fact that everything that exists comes from God. He is Lord over it all. There's not a meteor that streaks across the, the sky apart from the direction and sovereignty of God. He is Lord of heaven and earth, but he reveals something else to us, doesn't he? How does Jesus address God? I thank you, Father. God is creator of the heaven and earth, but he's also Father to the Lord Jesus Christ. We think here about Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. Turn over there with me just for a second. In God's covenant with David, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, he promised that he would be God to David's son, especially that he would discipline David's son. And that's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ who would come We see also in in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, something of this. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten to you. And what we learn from Psalm 2, 7 is that Christ is the son of God in two respects. He didn't become the son of God at his incarnation. You understand that. This is a heresy. Christ is the eternal Son of God. You see in Psalm 2-7, what does he say? You are my Son. But then there's also a reference in Psalm 2-7 to the incarnation of Christ. Today I have begotten you. The eternal Son of God who has dwelt in equality with the Father from before all time, in a moment of time, becomes begotten of the Father before He was ever a Messiah, He was the Son. He is Christ's Father in an eternal and in a temporal sense. But notice what it is that Christ, going back now to Matthew 11, what does Jesus thank God for? You've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. You know, I think one of the uh, encouraging things of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, and if you know 1 Corinthians, there there are not a whole lot of encouraging things said in 1 Corinthians. But one of the things that Paul reminded us of 
is that God has not chosen the wise ones of the world. In other words, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding the way of salvation, is not reserved for those who've received a Ph.D., You don't get there by going through all of your university training and your academic training. To whom does God reveal the plan of salvation? To the simple. And this is what Jesus celebrates. I thank you, O God, that you have concealed these things from the wise and the learned and you have revealed them to children. In other words, those who it is often those who think they are wise who are the most foolish. But we have to understand something here. That God doesn't conceal in the same way that He reveals. He doesn't conceal in the same way that He reveals. How does God conceal information? How does God conceal knowledge from men? Does He hide it somewhere? Can we go and dig up some lost scrolls somewhere in the Middle East? Is it concealed in that way? Does He cover it over? No. Your heart does all that work for you. Your heart, by nature, heaps dirt upon the truth of God. It covers over what is revealed to you in creation, what is declared to you day by day according to Psalm 19. And in judgment, God leaves some men in that condition. God doesn't have to do anything to conceal truth. But He does act in mercy to reveal truth to us. How does He do that? God reveals truth to you as the only sovereign by sending His Holy Spirit to open your eyes, to take away the blindness and the darkness of your mind so that you might look upon His creation and finally say, oh, there it is! Oh, I see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I see my own wretchedness. I see my own sin. This is how He reveals. And what Jesus is saying here is, That it is this God, my Father, who has appointed me to be the agent of judgment and of mercy. And so the second thing that we see is that the incarnate Son has the authority to reveal. In verse 27, notice what Jesus says. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. As we think about, what is Jesus saying here? As you read this passage and ponder it, you think, well, what does He mean by all things? All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And by the way, that that term that Jesus uses, handed over, is used of men who are who are given to the uh, authorities, criminals who are handed over, delivered to the authorities, they are bound up to Him. Jesus is using this word and He's saying, all things have been delivered to Me by My Father. And what we understand is that Christ's authority is not just a post-resurrection and ascension thing. That He came bearing the government of the kingdom on His own 
shoulders. God has entrusted all things, all judgment to Christ as His incarnate Son. And notice that Jesus says, anybody else who would say this would be counted as the most arrogant man in the whole world. Look what He says. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. As we think of these two passages in, in comparison, the first one, God discloses and, and conceals. And the second, the Son has the authority to reveal to men. I think we should understand it this way. You, you may go, you may do a lot of work and a lot of academic work. You may spend a lot of time in the lab studying. Uh, you may spend a lot of time in your books studying, and yet at the end of the day, if there is no fear of God in you, you are always and only a fool. You never rise above that. And the second thing is that you may go a long way in being a religious person, But if you do not approach Christ as the eternal Son of God and the only one who is authorized by the Father to disclose truth to you, you are never more than a fool. Jesus Christ alone is appointed to judge and to give knowledge so you can be very religious. You can be Muslim. And you can be very religious. You say, well, I acknowledge God. I fear God. But you haven't come to Christ as the eternal Son of God. You can be a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon. And you can say, well, I have a lot of religious knowledge. But you haven't come to Christ as the Son of God who existed eternally with the Father from all time through whom all things have been created. You haven't come on His terms. And so what does Jesus do at this point? Well, He invites you. Notice verses 28 to 30. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How does this invitation from Christ make sense in light of all that has been said? God conceals and reveals that Christ has been appointed by the Father to reveal knowledge to whomever He wills. How do we understand rest in that light? I want you to turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 4. <coughs> We're going to look at verse 17. <coughs> Ephesians 4.17 
Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. How? In the futility of their minds. Some of you probably in your lifetime have sung a, a little nursery rhyme, as it were, round and round the mulberry bush, the monkey chase the weasel. You've sung that before? It's a fun, fun song to sing and to teach your children. I want you to think of that little song as an illustration of the unregenerate man's mind. He chases learning and chases learning and chases learning his whole life like the monkey going around after the weasel around and round and round and round and round and he never gets anywhere. Why is this important for us to understand? It's important to us to understand because as you do evangelism, as you do defend the faith, you have to understand that no man is neutral toward God. There is no such thing as intellectual neutrality. It doesn't exist. And you can be a Francis Schaeffer or a C.S. Lewis But until God, do you see, reveals knowledge, that man will never be anything more than a fool. Does this mean that we don't evangelize? Of course not. Because God works through those means. But it is so important. We will will lose the Word and the authority and the sufficiency of the Word if we forget that all learning and knowledge comes from God, is for God, is appointed by Him. And so it's in this sense that Jesus says, come. What is he saying to you to do? Take my yoke. What is the yoke? Become my disciple. Be done with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who placed a heavy burden on you. Take my yoke. Be my disciple. Indenture yourself to me. Why? Because I'm gentle. He invites you to come. He is gentle and lowly and humble in heart. He will never chastise you for admitting your need of Him. He will never become impatient with you. He will never be harsh with you as His disciple, but He will lead you beside still waters, do you see, and cause you to lie down in green pastures. And finally, in Christ, you can say, I know the Lord. My heart has rest. I don't trust in my own works of righteousness because there aren't any. I trust in His works of righteousness. That's the rest. And no longer does your mind function just like a flywheel, always spinning, always spinning. Finally, in Christ and only in Christ will you finally be able to say, I deserve a diploma. You see, God is not a capstone course. Do you understand that? He isn't to be relegated to a philosophy of religion class. Every class belongs to Him. And the one upon whom all the rest of understanding rests 
invites you to come. He is the fundamentals course. You may earn a diploma and have a PhD next to your name, but if you do not have the fear of God given by Christ the Son, you never rise beyond the category of a fool. So Jesus invites you to come. Take off your mortar board and your graduation gown and take my yoke. Learn from me and you will have all that you need for perfect rest in this life and the life to come. Acknowledge your burden, accept his yoke, learn from him, and finally know all things as they truly are. Amen. Let's pray. Our almighty and everlasting God, we don't deserve such precious promises as Christ has given us in this word. So I pray for myself and for all of my brothers and sisters here this morning. I ask that you as our gentle and loving Savior who leads us beside still waters, who causes us to lie down in green pastures as uh, the one who leads us in the way of righteousness, who prepares a table before our enemies, who anoints our heads with oil. Lord Jesus, let us be children in your sight who are willing to say, Lord, I don't know. Teach me. Teach me. Open your word. Enlighten my eyes. Give me an understanding. Help me to understand your world and your universe from your perspective. And we ask this in your name, O oh Lord. Amen.